Hello, my name is Jeremy Melder, and I'm the presenter from Beaming Green. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is being held on the traditional lands of the Bundjalung people and pay our respects to elders both past, present, and emerging. The Beaming Green Podcast is a weekly podcast which will help you to take out some of the stress and confusion about how to live your life more sustainably. And we do this by introducing you to people that have first-hand experience and expertise in all aspects of sustainability so you can get some amazing insights of how you can implement simple and practical solutions to enhance your life and the lives of your family. Today in Episode 6 of Beaming Green's podcast, I want to introduce you to Operation Crayweed, which is a flagship project from the Sydney Institute of Marine Science. Now, the project focuses on the restoration of underwater forests that disappeared from the coastline of Australia's largest city, Sydney, decades ago. It combines science, practice, community engagement and art to reach its goal, as well as raise awareness about the importance of underwater kelp forests that are experiencing a global decline. I'm going to be speaking with Derek Cruz. Now, Derek grew up snorkelling and exploring the estuaries and seagrass meadows of New South Wales. He's now a passionate fish ecologist and holds particular interests in range-shifting species, habitat restoration and the enhancement of wild fisheries. Derek has worked with the Department of Primary Industries, University of New South Wales and the Sydney Institute of Marine Science on various field-intensive projects and enjoys promoting sustainable practices to younger generations. Now, you will also notice if you go to the Beaming Green website, there are a few videos that they've produced that are very informative as well. So I now like to welcome Derek Cruz. Welcome to today's show, Derek. Um, now, we're here to talk about Operation Crayweed. Can you tell us a little bit about Operation Crayweed and how it got started? Yes, uh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. So Operation Crayweed is a collaborative effort um, from various scientists across uh, several institutes within the Sydney area. And um, it's a reforestation project of the Sydney's metropolitan coastline. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's reforesting a species of seaweed called crayweed that disappeared during the 70s and 80s. And... Um, it hasn't come back on its own. So that's that's where our efforts are heading towards. Okay. And how long have, has this project um, been going on and uh, who's who started this or planted this seed of crayweed, should I say? Yeah, sure. So this project started in, in 2011. Yep. Um, the initial team um, realised that this crayweed species had kind of disappeared from the Sydney region and it went undocumented for several decades, in fact. Um, it's one of those situations where it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, people notice things on the terrestrial world a, a lot quicker. Um, things underwater, it's kind of, there's a bit of a lag. 
So um, anyway, this species actually occurs from Port Macquarie all the way to Tasmania. Wow. Um, but in the 70 kilometres of Sydney metropolitan coastal line, it's, it's actually disappeared. And we think it may have happened due to sewage, um, mm. pollution, and um, various chemicals that, that might might have been in the pollution that this species is sensitive to. Okay. So so this is, I think you were saying when we had a brief discussion, it's around the, the Bondi sort of manly areas. I remember what we used to call the little floaties that used to come out at Bondi <laughs> in the 80s. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so you think these are the critters that um, sort of might have been the demise of uh, crayweed? Yeah, well, that's where it coincides. There's, there's anecdotal evidence that crayweed existed through the, the whole Sydney metropolitan area. Um, but the way sewage was well untreated to a large extent during during that period, it was uh, very much coastal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was poorly treated, and uh, many of the the coastal and um, components of the environment were impacted. Um, several species of cray, oh, sorry, other species of seaweed have come back um, without any help, but unfortunately, crayweed has not come back. So that's where where our team have become involved and and um, are doing our bit to, to bring it back. So the initial trials in 2011 were just to see if if the species of crayweed could now kind of ex- exist in areas where they existed in the past. Um, mm-hmm. Since since the kind of mid-90s, the water quality in the Sydney metropolitan zone has increased dramatically. So um, with this improvement in water quality, we, we, we wanted to see if if the crayweed is now able to persist. And um, early shi- the early signs showed that yeah, it was actually quite successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did was uh, brought crayweed from either north or south of Sydney, um, brought it to a, a, a location within the Sydney zone. Um, initial trials were in Cape Banks and Malabar. Yeah. And, um, crayweed actually is a, is a interesting species of seaweed in which is, there's a male and there's a female plant. Oh, right? really? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, so when we do our transplant, we collect enough plants to have representative male and females of, of the crayweed. Mm-hmm. Um, when we uh, attach them to the to the seafloor, um, uh, we use like a, a mesh infrastructure, yep. and that allows us to to attach the adult reproductive plants and what happens is they actually have uh, sex underwater. It's underwater sex. And, um, Sounds it, fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's all, it's all um, kind of invisible to the naked eye. Yeah. And we don't really notice um, the effects of, of, of this reproductive event until around six months later. That's when you'll see juvenile uh, crayweed plants. Yep. Um, and we like to call them craybees. And um, they're, they're actually the plants that uh, we look forward to because the, the adult plants that we transplant from elsewhere, they never really um, take to their new home. They're, they're not able to, to fix themselves back onto the, onto the hard reef. Mm-hmm. So we use the infrastructure, um, several devices um, using cable ties and, and latex tubing so the plant doesn't, um, doesn't be, become harmed during the process. But the adults, yeah, they, they never 
actually fix themselves to the sea floor. It's it's the it's the kind of the next generation that we look forward to. Yeah. So these crabies, um, yeah, kind of visible after around six months, and after around twelve to eighteen months, we'll see them grow to an adult size, and that's when the adults can can become reproductive uh, on their own, and we we establish a as a self-generating population then. And so what, what initially what we're doing is getting the ball moving. Yep. Um, once a population has established, then we see the, the, the population uh, flourish slowly yep. uh, and outwards from our initial planting site. And um, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing across various sites in Sydney. Yep. Um, we have six successful sites in Sydney uh, and we have several others where, we're looking towards as well. So in terms of environmental outcomes that you're wanting to achieve, what, what are some of those that you're yeah, point, sure. you know, looking so, towards? So crayweed is, a, is what we call a, a habitat-forming species. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it actually supports a unique um, subset of biodiversity. So there are other seaweeds out there that are equally as important, mm-hmm. but they, they kind of um, support uh, their own set of bio, biodiversity. Crayweed has a, a separate um, kind of set of biodiversity that it supports. So it's unique in that way. It's um, also very important to um, two very important commercial fisheries species. So that's the abalone and the eastern rock lobster. So that's mm-hmm. how the, that's how the crayweed got its name essentially from from the alternative name is which is crayfish is the eastern rock lobster and. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, those species have been shown to uh, be more abundant in areas where crayweed exists. And have you noticed that uh, that impacts showing that there is more crayfish and so on growing since you've started this, this project? There, we, we have looked into that, yes. So it's, um, it, it does support kind of a, a, a set of biodiversity that closely resembles areas where it exists in, in large numbers, but it hasn't quite matched that same level uh, at this stage. I think it's a, it's a bit of a slow process. So the crayweed will, will kind of develop and proliferate. And then once it's at, at a kind of a large enough um, scale, then, then the animals will come. Sounds so, like you need to encourage a bit more secret sex. Yeah. <laughs> we, we try all our secrets. <laughs> There's, there's quite a lot of discussion around seaweed uh, that you probably uh, know about from the film 2040 and also with the Tim Flannery book. Um, can you give us some of your, I mean, I don't know how much you've gone into, you know, the alternative seaweeds as well, but in terms of, you know, cleaning up the ocean and in terms of production of energy, can you shed some light? Because, I mean, I don't spend any time on seaweed, to be honest, but uh, is there anything that you've sort of come across that, we can look towards for the future that you've seen? Yeah, so in, in terms of restoration projects, um, yep. marine restoration projects, the, there's been a lot of focus on mangroves and, and coral reefs, but, and, and they have succeeded um, at, at, in kind of small-scale levels. Um, seaweed is actually kind of a, a, an emerging field in, within the marine science so there, there aren't too many examples actually that I can share with you that as a success project. So that's why we're very excited about our project because we have shown that um, if, you, if you do bring 
back uh, these species uh, and you do kind of invest a little bit of effort, then, then we, we see results. So that's, um, that's very exciting. In mm. terms of, um, in terms of uh, the blue economy, so uh, that's a term that was coined for the carbon capture of, yep. of uh, seaweed species. And mm. a lot of investment has been more towards the kind of terrestrial side of, of carbon capture, uh, re- reforesting the last large, large areas of land, and um, and it's, it seems a little bit easier to do on land. Everything underwater is is twice as difficult. So um, it's kind of we're trying to fast track that and and see what the best options are. Yeah. So so you you um, go underwater quite regularly. I know that we've been having uh, quite a challenge trying to get together because anytime there's a good some good weather you have to go underwater and start doing these planting which I, I applaud you and Maddie and I'm pretty sure there's a bigger team than that doing that so how big is your team that is actually working on this project so yeah the original team have um, since dispersed across uh, other universities yep. um, so we have team members in in um, fisheries DPI in Queensland uh, across various universities in New South Wales, and um, but we're all kind of within this collaborative project um, under the Sydney Institute of Marine Science. Uh, Operation Crayweed was kind of the, the name was coined to involve uh, community and uh, in, uh, kind of generate a little bit of custodianship in um, in this project. So. Yeah. Uh, several sites we've been fortunate enough to to engage with community and have them volunteer. Yep. Uh, and we find it's a it's a great tool to to educate the public on on the local environment. A lot of a lot of people who have grown up in Sydney have actually um, never realised that this species disappeared from their from their front doorstep because they 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 never saw it there to begin with. Yeah. Um, so by engaging community, we we can. Um, uh, we can make sure that our restoration sites are looked after. They they often um, send us an email or photos of of how our plants are looking, and um, they're very excited when they see the new plants emerging, uh, and they can kind of have a sense of pride knowing that they they contributed to that. We'll be back in a moment. The time has come to announce the winner of the bottle of tooth tonic for the people that subscribe to the Beaming Green podcast. And the winner for the month of September is Helen. Now, Helen, I will be emailing you, and if you get back to me, we can then send you that bottle of tooth tonic. So congratulations, Helen. Now, on another note, I just wanted to let our listeners know that we've now added a feature to the episodes page where you can provide us a comment about the episode or some feedback about it. So please, I'd encourage you to leave us some commentary as to what you thought about the discussions that we've been having because we really value your feedback and want to improve what we're offering. Thank you. Welcome back. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think when we were talking uh, previously, you were saying that you really encourage people to volunteer and, and to help out. Um, how how do people do that if they want, uh, if they're interested in in volunteering with this project? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right now, unfortunately, 
world's pandemic, it's it's been quite tricky. So we've yep. kind of put that on hold. Um, in the past, we've we've used um, community volunteers to help with um, kind of on land tasks. So as soon as you want to get in the water, there's a, a whole list of occupation and health yeah. and safety. Absolutely, there's <laughs> lots of um, boxes to tick. So yep. it's almost impossible to to do anything underwater with um, all the regulations involved. But yeah, if if they wanted to go to our Operation Crayweed website, we also have a Facebook and Instagram page. And they can reach out and um, we can put them on, uh, on a volunteer list and we'll definitely engage with, with volunteers once regulations relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there's always, if, you, if you're not capable of, of going out and um, diving or, um, or, or offering your time, we are more than happy to, to take um, some kind of uh, sponsorship. So... Uh, philanthropy and um, just donations alone. So mm-hmm. we, you know, several years ago, we had a, a crowdfunding um, campaign where we asked people to uh, buy an underwater Christmas tree. So that helped a lot with our initial studies um, mm-hmm. because for the first few years, we we're trying to kind of ref- refine our technique. Um, we're quite confident in our technique now where we go to a site and we want to restore, restore it. We, we have uh, developed a technique that's quite successful. But, yeah, the first few years, it was a bit of trial and error. Um, and, but that was all um, supported by, um, by donations and also through government. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, but now we're at the stage where we can expand on proven technique and uh, we're happy to take this across the entire Sydney region, really. Yep. So in terms of funding, you're, you're currently being funded by some, some larger organisations, but you've also got, you know, private funding. Look, I'm happy on Beaming Green if anyone wants to, you know, sponsor an underwater Christmas tree, we'd love to push that campaign a bit more if you'd like to follow that through. Um, but uh, how, how can people uh, get in touch with you to make donations? Is it on your website that you can share with me or...? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll share the website with you. That's, yep. that's probably the best um, point of contact for Operation Crayweed. Yep. It's the one we check most often. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll be sure to get back to anyone that's, that's happy to reach out and, and volunteer either, either their, their time or their money. Well, absolutely. I think you need these things. And, and these are, you know, one of the reasons why we've got you on the show is you guys are like what we call the unsung heroes that are going underwater and doing this great work and obviously volunteers as well helping out. So I'd like to shine that light on people that are doing great things in the community and for, for our environment. What, what do you see as your goals in terms of being able to plant? Have, do you have a yearly target that you uh, try to achieve or is it just dependent on nature? Yeah, a lot, a lot of it is dictated by the weather. Um, yep. So we, we try to keep as busy as possible. Yep. Um, and, it, yeah, it also depends on, on the funding available too. The, the more funding we have, the, the larger the team yep. can, we can send out. And um, But if, if anyone in the Sydney region was kind of looking to to see crayweed, uh, you're more than welcome to go and check out some of our successful restoration sites. Um, the two I would recommend at this stage are the, the two oldest sites, which have 
kind of expanded um, quite extensively from the original um, initial size. So that's North Malabar and mm-hmm. North Bondi. Those two sites, if you go for a snorkel there, and you don't have to go very deep, right up in the shallows, you'll see our crayweed. Um, it's, it's, it actually runs for several hundred kilometres uh, along that coastline there. It's, so it's a really great example of what we can achieve. Well, have you got any photos and things that you can share with me so I can put on our website so people can get an idea what it looks like and, and, and maybe some of your team and things like that that also will be good for them? Yeah. Um, so this transplanting process that you were talking about before, I just got a my, – my curious thing is you use some matting, you are saying, and some ties. Yeah. Is that ever taken out of the uh, process when you, when, you, when you go back there or is it – yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the infrastructure that we that we place is uh, is placed on areas of bare reef. So we're not covering anything else that's that's kind of pre-existing there. It just happens to be a, a barren piece of reef to begin with. Um, we do try and plant within close proximity of other seaweeds. Uh, it turns out that seaweeds love other seaweeds. That's something that we've kind of um, uh, found out through trial and error. So, uh, yeah, close proximity to other seaweeds. And um, after a couple of years, once we've established a population in our restoration site, all the infrastructure comes out and and you'll have no idea that we were there except for the appearance of, of these crayweed. So the, the mats themselves are made from a, a kind of a galvanised steel frame and it's a plastic meshing. Uh, we have in the past tried using biodegradable materials yep. um, such as coconut fibers and uh, biodegradable plastics. Um, unfortunately, because of the high energy zone where restoration sites are, there's a crayweed uh, right up in the shallows. And that's the, this is an area where waves are pounded in the coastline and it's a uh, very unforgiving um, mm-hmm. part of the marine environment. So the infrastructure has to be rock solid. Um, so that's kind of uh, the conclusion we've 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 come to is putting something down that that won't be taken away by nature, and yeah. it only has to stay in there for a couple of years, and then we'll we'll, we'll make sure that everything else comes out once uh, a population is established. So that's something we're very proud of as well. Just to yeah, to, I think you know I think uh, it, my my ears sort of pricked about using. Um, uh, Foreign objects, so to speak, yeah. in in the ocean, and I, I, I'm, you know, there's already enough stuff in the ocean that you've probably oh, seen absolutely. seen yourself, right? So, and we try uh, and recycle the materials where possible, um, but yeah, we we try to make sure that there, there was no evidence that we were ever there, except yep. for the appearance of crayweed uh, after yep. a couple of years. Yeah. In terms of the coral reef area, like if we look at the Great Barrier Reef, does seaweed like like um, crayweed have a part to play in that or is that a different type of uh, seaweed that's required? Uh, it, there's plenty of tropical examples of, of seaweeds. Um, yep. Where crayweed exists, it actually forms part of what we call the, the Great Southern Reef. Uh, right. A lot of people aren't familiar with this term, yep. um, but it basically encompasses the entire southern region of, of Australia. Okay. And um, in many ways, it's it's a lot more productive, and um, it, it's uh, it's something that kind of is overlooked 
in these restoration projects, the coral reefs seem to to kind of get the the limelight. Um, but equally as important. Yeah, absolutely. No. Thank you so much, Derek, for your time. Um, if you send me through all your details, I will put it on a, on this episode of Beaming Green. And uh, hope you're able to get out there. It looks like it's a bit uh, wet and muggy at the moment, but uh, hopefully in the next few days uh, you'll be able to get out there and do continue your good work with your team. And Thank if anyone you. wants to volunteer, I will put those details on for when COVID-19 is ended, hopefully soon. Thank Thank you, you, Jeremy. Cheers. Thank you for being part of the Beaming Green podcast. The music for this podcast is produced by Dave Weir. Now, we need more people to get on board and raise awareness about sustainability and climate change. The more of us that are shining the light on these issues, the more governments and business leaders will listen. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast and share and engage in social media so that we can get some traction. Let's support one another and envision a brighter future. Thanks for listening and see you next week.